0: Good morning everyone. So good to see you and I hope you're having a great uh, long weekend so far. Um, It's actually an honour to share the word with you this morning Um, and these last few weeks we've actually been looking at what living a fruitful life as someone who follows Jesus, in other words a disciple, uh, looks like and how we do it. You know we're very familiar with the concept of fruit in our everyday lives. Uh, we go to the grocers. Uh, I hope we, we eat fruit. <laughs> it's good for us. Um, and the first section you see when you go to the supermarket is uh, the fruit section. Um, it's fresh. It's pleasing to see. We try to pick out the best fruit for our fridges and our families. We eat it on our grazing tables, a little plug to stay after for our grazing table. Um, and we know that with fruit, it's, it's a source of nourishment it's fresh in our lives. Um, Fruit is at the prime of its growth or ripe. It's a tangible result of something else like a tree or a plant and it's enjoyable and good. It's yummy. We enjoy it. And so when the Bible takes this idea of fruit and it talks about us bearing fruit or fruitfulness in our lives, it's talking about our lives producing good things and results that build the kingdom of God and reflect Jesus in us, and so we've actually been over the last uh, couple of weeks looking at particular passages and imagery in the Bible uh, where these passages talk about kind of gardens and growth and what that comparison and analogy is to our lives. So in the first week, um, Pastor Sam started with Matthew 13, looking at the four soils. I've just got a little image there, um, and. All the types of ground, there's four types of ground that Jesus talks about that seed can fall on. And the idea was that fruit only grows in good soil. And that as disciples, our pursuit is to be the good soil that is ready to receive the seed and grow. So what's the seed? The seed is the message and the gospel of Jesus. And the fruit is the effects of that in our lives, both inwardly in our inner state um, but also externally in our lives and, and how we interact with those around us. And then the next week, John uh, Sam, not John, spoke on John 15 on Jesus as the vine and us as the branches. And the key verse there was, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so the key idea from that week was that as disciples our doing uh, and the fruit of our lives uh, flows out of our being and abiding with Jesus. So, all our work, all our doing, all our actions, even our inner life, um, is actually only fruitful in the kingdom of God if it's connected to Jesus. And so, today, we're going to continue with the garden analogies um, of this idea, and we're going to be reading from Psalm 1, Verses 1 to 3. So if you'd like to join me, if you've got your Bible or your phone, um, I'm going to be reading from the NIV if you want to read along. Otherwise, it will be on the screen. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law. Day and night. And here we go with the metaphor. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And so we have this idea of this beautiful, healthy tree. And I want to show you this image of the opposite. Uh, (laughs) This is an Australian tree. We probably see these a lot during summer. Um, It's not planted by water. It's, uh, it's, you know, dying. (laughs) There's no leaves. It's very dry. Um, And so the opposite of that, which is what this psalm is talking about, is the next image um, of a tree that's by the water and it's healthy, it's green, it's luscious. Um, There's lots of life. And so um, we are going to look at that today, that image, that picture of what the Bible is talking about and ask the question, what wisdom can we get from this passage about how to live fruitful lives as disciples of Jesus? So we're going to break down each verse and see what it has to say for us. So starting with verse one, blessed or otherwise happy is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. You know, when we walk in step with someone, you're at the same pace, usually side by side, going the same direction, you're unified, there's a togetherness. So um, think of soldiers um, walking, you know, together, they're going the same way. That's kind of the image that this is presenting here. And then the wicked is a very strong word, not one that's kind of in our everyday language, Um, but this is referring to people who are hostile to God. And so that can actually range um, from obviously blatant um, evil, but then kind of on the the end that's probably more prevalent in our society is probably the more subtle, polite hostilities towards God in a a post-church culture. Um, But at the end of the day, in summary, it's just someone who's not following God and, and essentially is in rebellion toward God. And so what this is saying is that as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, it's saying you're not blessed and happy the way that God would like you to be. Uh, When you are in step with people who don't follow God. So then the next part says, or stand in the way that sinners take. And so when you stand, you're stationed, you're in position, you are remaining somewhere. And then again, when it says sinners, it's talking about those who are not in right standing with God um, and so there's a diff, there's a there's a, uh, a tension there because you're in right you're, you're in right standing with God and they're not but you're you're influenced by that then the last bit says or sit in the company of mockers and the word for sit there actually talks about dwelling and abiding and remaining and mockers are people that the, uh, to scorn to make mouths at, to talk arrogantly um, and so you kind of see this, this difference, right, compared to John 15, where it talks about abiding and sitting with Jesus. It's saying that you're sitting with people who are talking bad, who are, who are pulling you away from God. Um, and so ultimately this verse is saying that those who follow God, who do follow God, don't allow themselves to live under the influence of those that don't follow God. And what God is saying in his wisdom is, is that that is what allows us to be blessed and happy. So let's pause there <laughs> because if you're like me, you hear this and you go, oh, that sounds a bit elitist. That sounds a bit exclusive. Like it sounds like, you know, oh, I'm so good. I'm so godly. And that person over there, they're the wicked and, 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 and almost like a looking down upon people. And does it mean that I live this insular life you know, completely separated from those who don't follow Jesus? And so the answer would be no. Uh, Firstly, this is not about us as Christians being better than anyone. Um, Romans 3 verse 23 to 24 is very clear on this. It says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And so this is the idea that I'm just as much of a sinner as anyone else. Um, I'm not better than anyone. I can't save myself from my sin. Nothing I did got me back into right standing or in right relationship with God, except for what Jesus has done and me receiving that. And so when we understand the state of our own sinfulness and what Jesus had to save us from or the potential of, you really don't think you're in a position to look down on anyone. You know, uh, it it, it will cause a humility in us. And Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast not in what we do, not in our goodness, but in the hope of the glory of God. And so secondly, when we actually look at the life of Jesus, um, the Gospels regularly highlight Jesus being in the company of sinners. So much so that the religious leaders of his day were shocked. They were like, what are you doing? And so obviously, if Jesus is our model, this means that we will also be in the company of those who are not following God. Those uh, who are not in right standing with God yet. We see that Jesus was with these people. He loved them. He listened to them. He cared for them. But the key is that he wasn't influenced by them. You know, his manner, his words, the way he lived his life before God didn't change by being with them. And that really is the goal for us to get to that point. Um, To be able to be around people who are far from God, to listen to them, to be able to actually hear what is it that, uh, why aren't they? a Christian. What are their objections to Christianity? It might be because they're another uh, faith tradition. It could be because they're atheist, It could be because they were a Christian and they've had hurt. Whatever it might be, um, actually being able to listen to that and take it in um, and love them through that and to reach them. But again, not to be pulled away from God by being around them. Uh, one story that always makes me and Sam laugh is we heard of this guy who had the Heart of evangelism um, to reach his friends. But his method was a bit interesting. He was like... Oh, yeah, I just sometimes my friends are like go, I go and get drunk and I go party. And like we're we're swearing and we're talking about this, we're talking smack and it's awesome. And then I hit him with the gospel and I'm like undercover Christian. And so every time we hear that, we think it's hilarious because bless his heart. He wants to reach his friends, which is what God calls us to do, to reach those that we love around us. But we don't see that modeled by Jesus, that he uh, becomes the same. Okay, um, and so this verse is saying that if we are influ- influenced by people, whether that's in person uh, or online or even content such as like movies or songs or podcasts or ideas that pull us away from God, that is a hindrance to our growth in Him. Cool, verse 2, we are looking at this verse and it says this, but whose delight. So, it's um, joy is not for those who do what we were just talking about, but whose delight, meaning pleasure, enjoyment, desire, and longing is in the law of the Lord. Now, sometimes when we hear the law of the Lord, delight isn't the first word we think of, okay? This kind of idea we uh, of pleasure, um, and the law in that time can actually refer to the first five books of the Bible, um, and it's kind of particularly Leviticus and Numbers, where the law for the Israelites was given. But that can also just mean the general direction and guidance of God generally. So for us today, in this context, um, that's actually the whole Bible and and God's wisdom, his principles and his way. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. And so we just spoke uh, in verse one about God not being about us being influenced by those who don't follow God. And so then it's, it's giving us the opposite of that, uh, showing that it's actually about being influenced by God himself, God's words uh, in our lives. And then it says, who meditates. And that word means to moan, groan, utter, muse and speak. On his law day and night. And so, this is the idea that God's word is actually integrated and a part of our everyday life. Um, You know, it's easy to compartmentalize this is my 10 minutes, this is my 30 minutes, this is my hour to spend with God, to study the Word, and kind of this formal time. Um, And while we need those times in our lives so that we can actually learn what God's Word says, um, this is talking more about an informal way of having God's Word in our day. Um, God is is interested in our whole day, not just the 10 minutes we spend with Him formally. Um, You know, an example of this for me was last week I was actually found myself um, battling discontentment. And I think generally I'm I'm pretty content in life. Um, But this week I just was like, oh, I'm annoyed about this, and I wish it was like this, and whinging to myself and feeling an unsettling. And uh, I had that verse um, from Philippians come to mind for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. It just kind of came to me in that moment, and kind of talking about you know any groanings, right? Um, And so I just kind of said that over and over. Just said, I'll be content in every circumstance. I'll be content in every circumstance. And honestly, the peace of God was so present. Um, and so that's what this word is talking about. It's, it's saying that God isn't just interested in youth, you know, those moments. Um, we don't have to just compartmentalize his word. He wants to be with us all the time. He's everywhere. His word can come alive to us in those mundane, everyday moments. And so what has this passage said so far? It's saying that those who don't allow themselves to be influenced by those who don't follow God and uphold God and his ways, but have instead put themselves under the influence of God himself through his word. And then by extension, um, those people around us that can cultivate a hunger for God in us. Um, Verse three is the promise of the outcome. And it says this, That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Some quick facts on trees. Um, In in the Bible, trees are actually mentioned uh, more than any other living thing other than God and people. Um, There's actually major characters and major stories in the Bible where the characters appear um, with a tree or an element of a tree. So you've got Noah and the olive branch, um, Moses and the burning bush. Abraham under the oaks, Zacchaeus and the sycamore tree, the disciples at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus himself actually died on a tree, a cross. Um, So trees are used all throughout the Bible. Um, In terms of on earth, trees are the oldest living things on earth. There's actually a scientific dating method called, and I might say this wrong, dendrochronology, that actually allows people to figure out how old that tree is just by cutting it, taking a ring out and looking at how many rings they are. And from that, they're actually able to see um, what the climate of that time was like, the atmosphere, all this other cool stuff. So trees are old <laughs> and also trees are generous. Um, they're actually outward focus um, and life giving. So they give life, they give beauty, when we see a big, beautiful tree, we're like, wow, that's amazing. They give shade for us. Um, we re- People can rest under them. Um, they actually clean the air. They prevent erosion. They offer shelter, particularly for animals, food and protection and covering. And so this verse is using this image of a tree um, as someone who is life-giving to those around them. Um, that they are someone of wisdom, that they are someone of strength, that they, are, they have endurance, that they're sturdy, they're grounded, and they're healthy. And that is the vision that God has for our lives. That is the picture of a disciple. And I just wanted to show that again, this healthy, life-giving tree, that's what God wants us to be. Now, I know that that can sound intimidating, Because, you know, you kind of go, oh, I don't feel like I'm there. Um, And, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, man, like, you know, we're called disciple house. That means that we're really going after like discipleship. Uh, We're kind of speaking on this quite a bit. And what sometimes might happen is people go, oh, I'm not that. That's not my life. So discouragement comes in, shame comes in. And it's almost like, oh, this is too hard. Um, but what we've got to know is that a tree like that does not grow overnight. It started with a seed, um, and it, it's watered, and it's, it's, it's given life and health, and so, um, you know, we might not feel like we're there yet in our spiritual lives with God, but that's the goal, and it's a beautiful one. Um, it's, it speaks of legacy. Um, you know, last year, Sam's nan actually passed, and um, you know, she just was such a, she was this, like when I think of her, she was that, she just was so kind to everyone, everyone spoke of how kind she was, um, that she just extended the love of God to them, um, and so that's that's what we're aiming for, we might not be there, we're not perfect, we're never going to be, but it's 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 okay that we go, actually, that's what I want to be, I want to live my life being that person that God has called me to be. Um, and it's the vision of our church, really. Uh, you know, we, we're saying we want to build disciples um, so everything is geared to helping people flourish in that way. And so like, it ends saying, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. So it, it produces fruit in its time, in the time it's due. And it doesn't fade, it doesn't fall or droop. And whatever they do, prospers. And so that speaks to growth. It speaks to success. um, And it speaks to being fruitful. And so this is a profound image of someone who knows their God, who listens and is guided by God alone. Their life is beautiful. It's a refuge to those around them. And it's a reflection of Jesus so is this verse saying that we will have a perfect, successful, problem-free life if we are a Christian? No. Uh, trees go through storms. They are tested. And Jesus himself said, in this life you will have troubles, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so he's saying that if you're the tree, your, your life is is and its roots are in him, you will be fine. And this is not just talking about our culture's definition of success. You know, this is very often externally based, materially based, and those things in themselves are not bad. Um, But God is interested in so much more than that for our lives. I love this um, quote by Peter Scazzaro. He says, success is becoming the person God calls you to become and doing what God calls you to do in his way according to his timetable. So success with God usually looks a lot different than what our modern Western context likes to say that it is. Success in God actually requires a lot of surrendering and dethroning ourselves of being lord of our own lives to put God back on the throne where he belongs. It might not always be attractive uh, externally or inwardly to our egos, but it will be a tree with fruit that lasts beyond this life. And it's success that doesn't just benefit us short term and bless us, but it actually blesses others and is something for others in the long term. So to recap simply what this means, what this passage has said in terms of being a disciple of Jesus, it's saying if you have influences in your life pulling you away from God, his voice, his word, and his ways it's time to change that. It's time to pull that out. And it's time for you to let those things go. And I don't know what that is, but I just believe that as I'm speaking, God has already been kind of showing you different things and maybe highlighting areas. We all have this. Um, influence isn't just people. It's, it's things. It's ideas. It's how we spend our time. And then it's not just about changing that. It's about replacing that, um, the influence with God with his word, and those who will cultivate a hunger for God in us. That is what will lead us to living a life that is fruitful and successful in God. Discipleship is an ongoing journey of letting things go that attach us to this world, uh, fruitless things, so that we can hold on and cling to Jesus and what lasts eternally, bearing fruit. I want to end on John 15, verse 2, and it says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful.